not just say everyone has to be this way because this is the way that I structured my business. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because we can look at these different variables in a revenue modeling. There's multiple ways of doing it, either in a broad sense where everybody's kind of pulled into the same expectations and on an individual one where we can see, okay, what if we had six commission stylists that were at this tier and three commission stylists that were at this tier, what would that, and compare it. Look at what their revenue would have to be to get to that tier. Look at what the other people's revenue would be as an estimation. And then let's see what that profit looks like. And oftentimes the profit is the same. You're not actually seeing wow. a difference between it. Yeah. Hey friends, I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast, a podcast for beauty industry providers and business owners that are wanting to level up their game to create a profitable career. If you're feeling stuck and you want more out of this industry, then join me as I share with you my strategies, lessons I've learned along the way, and how I overcame fear by shifting my mindset to build a healthy business. I built a solid book behind the chair, launched a bridal company, became a salon suite owner to most recently opening up a salon. As creative entrepreneurs, we need an education that empowers us and makes an impact on helping us raise our standards. My mission is to teach you how you can reach your goals quickly, build your books and your business faster, and master the framework for creating a successful and rewarding career. Thank you for joining me. Let's do this. Welcome to your Game Changer Podcast. Yeah. Um, okay. Welcome back to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Alvarez. Today, I am so excited to have this special guest because I've been stalking her on Instagram, and I bet that you have too. But as a beauty business coach, she helps salon owners, independent hairstylists, and beauty professionals build stronger businesses. And as a salon owner and stylist of 20 years, she's been successful in building multiple salon businesses while even navigating the changes that are happening in our industry. She has created a revolutionary approach to structuring salon menus. Can you guess who this is? Services and pricing by creating a modern menu and hybrid pricing blueprint, as well as a comprehensive business auditing plan that puts salon owners' well-being and profits first. Welcome to the show, Michelle Wheatley. Thank you so much. I'm like, you should have written all of any of my bios. I'm like, you did that so well. Yeah, well, this is fantastic. And I'm so glad that you're on the podcast because so many people have been talking exactly what you're sharing and you're sharing it in such a beautiful way. And before we get into that, I really want to know, like, how did this all come about? You've been in the industry for 20 years. What, what was like that pivoting point in your career that you're like, I got to create something. So in 2014, my husband wanted to open a business. And I had actually taken a short time away from the chair. I have six children now, but at the time I had just had my fifth and it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I had finally taken this time off to be a mom and he wanted to open a business. Well, we had been watching Shark Tank and there was this gentleman who had opened this like luxury 
uh, manicure and barbering spot for men. So originally we were talking about doing that just because it was him that was inspired. But then I'm like, well, I don't really know. Like I know, you know, the other side of hair, the traditional salon side of hair. And so we started looking around for spaces. We found an existing salon space that had closed, but all of the build out was already done. We did the, you know, uh, tenant improvements, open a salon, that gets full. People are looking for a place to go, expand it, expand it again, it's full. Open a second location because another salon in the area, long story, like sold to a doctor. The doctor was not very clear that he was gonna keep it open or not. He really just wanted the building. All these people ended up without a place to go. So here I am actually pregnant, seven months pregnant with my six, building oh. out a second location. Yeah, oh I got gosh. some stories. <laughs> <laughs> she likes to stay busy. <laughs> yes. So then that location gets full. So then there's another salon that had closed and um, across town. So we ended up building out in that location as well. And really, it was a learning process for me because I had never aspired to be a salon owner. So I mean, 2014 was still early for Instagram. There really weren't beauty industry coaches. There were no salon owners that I would have called mentors for me that I worked for that I would have gone to to ask for advice. So at the time it was navigating, kind of just opening a salon, not approaching it from the standpoint that I didn't know anything about business ownership and adapting to all of these new things, because obviously Instagram did start online booking, color correction, these huge projects, all of this stuff happened as I was building these salons. So at the same time that I'm learning how to navigate something new, I'm learning how to navigate something that really for me was old because I had been a hairstylist for 12 years at this point. And many of my clients still came back to me. So I started taking, you know, most of my traditional services, but because I had taken that time off, I had room to take on new clients. So I'm having to learn how to do these new services. It didn't make sense to me. Like it, as a 12 year stylist at that point, when do you not saturate hair completely? What is certain, why surface painting? How is that even going to, you know, lift evenly? All these mind blowing things. But I had these new stylists coming in that were all doing that. So we were learning from each other. So while we're learning from each other, I'm also trying to navigate marketing from the business because I wanted it to be a salon environment that was different than what I was in, where there was lack of support. So we did online booking and had our menu up. We paid for advertising. Most of our salons at the time were booth rental. We did take on some commission here and there, but it, I mean, I was learning and I was doing hair. So I was like, let me just create a space for built stylist for the most part. And doing, it was just part of my learning process. So then when COVID happened, the first thing was I need to help prepare these people that work for me better for their finances. My goal was to be hands-off because I never wanted to be an owner. So it was kind of like, I create a space for you, the systems help you build, do the things that you need support with because your business is so much heavier of a burden now with all of those things. And, I, and nothing else is my business. I'm staying out of it. Well, that just could, can't sustain people, especially during COVID. So I started putting together more of a structure of what I did behind the scenes as a business owner, 
replicating that for what it would look like for an independent stylist. So we had already done some of the modifications with the menu, but I really needed to create an actual system for it. So I just started kind of putting together step-by-step step all the things that we had changed. And I started my beauty business guide Instagram. I love that. And, and I think that's, it's so brave and you need to be brave and have courage when you're going into business. And most people really don't have everything figured out. So I, I love the fact that you're like, we're going to just do this and see what happens from there. What were the things, okay, so you're navigating, trying to learn these like new techniques and also figuring out what do, what does the team need? At that point, what were you like facing challenges wise with growing your team? So we actually didn't have a lot of problems necessarily at that time growing the team because we were the only salon that was doing these things. We were first to be on Instagram posting regularly. Um, we were voted best of our area right away for like five years in a row. This last year, we didn't even participate. And it's so funny because these like weird, obscure businesses that nobody even knew of existed in the area got nominated. But it was kind of like, we had done it for so many years. We didn't even realize they were running it again because it was still post-COVID California. Um, so my goal really with a salon, because I had never aspired to be a salon owner, was the support side. So back bar was provided. The booking system was provided. There was system set in place to help them market. So we paid for marketing even for the booth rental stylists. I essentially treated wow. them like they were to have been employees minus any of the micromanaging their side of the business. But like I answered all the Facebook, all the Instagram, all the Yelp, all the website inquiries. And with that for two years, I mean, it was a lot. I can't, I can't even think back. It's like, what was my life like? Because if I wasn't doing one thing, I was doing something else. I really didn't take any time off. Um, I didn't go anywhere because I was with my kids most of the time, but we built the, like really the response rate and the traffic to all of these different platforms that even now that I've scaled back from doing that to do all these other things, I'll go into the booking system and, and they're all booth rentals now because it's California, but we'll have 16 or 17 requests in the system, in the booking system for these booth renters. So that was my goal create a space that stylists are not having to market for themselves quite as much because of the transition going from word of mouth to more digital. So create a website that would be easy to navigate um, for any new clients that are coming in. We didn't even have a priority order list between our commission stylist and our um, booth rental stylist because to me, I really only wanted clients to book with our commission stylist if they really wanted to go to them because I felt like if we had all this amazing work posted publicly from our booth renters and only booked with a commission stylist that there would be an inconsistency in expectation. So mm. that was one thing that never had been done in any of the salons that I worked at. We made sure that everyone's contact information was accessible and then helped them structure their online booking if they wanted help with navigating their schedules, if they were transitioning to only partially opening up their schedule for new clients, 
all of these little nuances. So these were all things that were my, my sole goal job was the support. So really everything that I did to build the business was directly related to the support of the stylist and it worked. I think that having that focus too, and just knowing this is the one thing that I'm going to go in all in to make this work, that really having that discipline to focus on that one category and grow and strengthen that was probably like your secret sauce um, starting that business. The model, it sounds like you're saying this is a hybrid model. Have, Have you dabbled with other types of business models or has hybrid been the only um, model that you've been working with? So for me and my businesses, I structure it hybrid, but I've worked with salon owners who are all booth rent, salon owners who are hybrid and salon owners who are only employee-based. Some of them are hourly, some of them are commission, some of of them are combos. So the principles of how to structure the salon operations are all consistent. It all is centered around the stylist. Now it's going to be a little bit different depending on the stylist needs because obviously with employed stylist, your structure is going to be even more supportive beyond that because you're talking about really planning out their business and holding them accountable to certain metrics and really supporting them that way. But other than that, the whole business structure, really, like even as an independent salon owner, if my stylists are not able to be successful as independents, my salon can't be successful. So Mm -hmm. the same principles of the way that the menu is structured. So my independent stylists, all of them use, if they have online booking, they all use my menu the menu I've created for the salon. They don't, I have one stylist that we did a couple of modifications for because there were some things she wanted to include in her extension packages that other ones didn't. But other than that, everyone that's getting new clients is being booked under the same structure. And they're more than welcome to go in and change their pricing. But like our services are all the same. They all include the same, you know, there, so there is still some cohesiveness in the booth rental salon atmosphere that. And it's worked. Now, does that mean that all independents are going to understand the benefit to their business or want to, you know, be part of a team like that? No, you may have, if you are a booth rental salon owner, you may have stylists that don't. But what I do see is the people who are in salons for the most part that do want the support are staying in salons. Otherwise, if they're wanting to do their own thing, they're going into suites. Yeah. And it's been really interesting seeing all of these different types of models. And of course, you know, everyone's biased to what model they think is good. And I think it's, it's not one size fits all. It really needs to be based on what that individual person needs, you know, whether it's like they can just fly with things on their own, or they do need a support or they love the camaraderie. Um, you know, I, I do believe that if you're not careful, the the culture could start creating its own culture in the hybrid model or booth rent. But the reality is that to the customer, the client, they don't know. 
And they could probably care less if you are paid as a W-2 or a 1099, like they don't care. They just want to come in and have a great service from you. Like, can you share what are some of the things that has helped you cultivate that culture to create that cohesiveness so that it is a very seamless, seamless transaction for clients? So I, first of all, I would say with your culture, I'll talk about that part first, and then we'll go into the client thing. We have to realize that for the most part, I mean, and I won't speak to all salons because there are some salons where you go in and the experience is consistent between any stylist. When you go in, everyone is going to operate more as a collective but there are very few salons that are going to stay that way indefinitely because the industry is supporting the individual so much. And even employee-based stylists are wanting to have more individuality in their own business within their salon owner's business. And if you do not adapt to that, you are likely going to get prices or whatever, uh, cultivate yourself out of, out of a job essentially cultivate your environment and your vision. But the only way indefinitely that you can support that is to have a strong influx of new stylists coming in. But once they get to a certain point, they're going to feel suffocated and it is going to impact your business negatively because a suffocated, uninspired stylist is probably one of the worst things that a salon owner wants in their business, because that's when what you said, the culture, it creates itself. So Mm -hmm. even if you've cultivated the specific cohesive experience for clients and all of these little details and nuances that are really important to you, you may have created a negative experience for another stylist in your salon, because we just cannot squeeze the individuality out of artists. And when we try, it's to our own demise, essentially. That's at least my approach, right? So that's why we've seen such a huge move into suites because most of these suite owners, renters, whatever we want to call them, are not prepared to manage their own business outside of it. And it's lonely and it's uninspiring and they will end up in the same space, but by their own, you know, their own problem. Like they've created it themselves, you know? Yeah. So that's the one thing I, and also I am also the same owner. I am to an independent stylist as I am to a commission salon or commission stylist. So when you're creating a hybrid environment, you need to offer support to your independence. There needs to be a certain expectation of understanding of why you've created the business that you've created, who it's designed for, and for the stylist to genuinely understand that they're still respected as an individual, like we just talked about with, even if you have a, a complete employee-based salon, and that there is room for individuality, but there has to be some sort of glue holding everything together, and that has to be the structure of the salon. So that is with your menu, your pricing, your checkout. So if I wanted to be, if I wasn't a hybrid salon owner and I was, that's what I was wanting to do, I would make sure that I had a booking system that allowed for all of my stylists, whether they were independent or employee-based, 
to check out through the same booking system. And not all of them can, but you can have multiple merchants, merchant processing accounts with different booking systems. So that allows them to be still walked up to the front desk, checked out. You can check out retail at the same time as the service and the retail goes into the salon owner's account and the service goes into the stylist's account. So you still have this consistent experience. Mm -hmm. You post and support your booth rental salon owners in the same way as your commission, um, commission stylist or employee stylist, because the likelihood is the people that you would want to come into your salon as a, as a booth renter, if you were hybrid, they're going to be high caliber you're literally not going to bring somebody into your salon just to fill a space as a booth renter, unless it's a last resort thing, which still can be on the table, but you're probably just not going to want to keep them indefinitely. So mm -hmm. the ideal in that situation is that you have these people that actually do run a fairly good business. Maybe they still do need some business support. They don't want to have to buy back bar. They may even want to pay for color out of your back bar so that they don't have to go to the store. They want the marketing done for them. They love that there's a phone number that their clients can call and move around their schedule. All of this support that like, the reality is these sweet renters, I mean, they've got a lot on their plates. If I had to do that now, I would quit. I will never have a salon without a front desk, even a booth rental salon, even if it's a part-time, they don't have to be full-time, but somebody to answer the phones, do the towels, check the back bar, do inventory, some type of support staff, even if there's somebody who's eventually going to be trained as a stylist with you. Maybe that's your position where you start training your future stylists, but someone there as a point of contact, because I don't have time. <laughs> like I just don't have time. And mm -hmm. I don't want my client, my clients or anyone else's clients, whether they're booth rental or commission to not be, not have a consistent schedule of being responded to, of being explained things, all of those things. So all of that together makes the client experience like our client experience at my salons in California, they would have no idea that these people didn't work for me. They would have no idea at this salon that's hybrid that some of these people don't actually work for me. They wouldn't know. Yeah. And you're in Arizona right now, right? Yeah. yeah. And so each state has different laws too of, of booth renting or in California, you're not allowed to have commission stylists. So there's, there's definitely you actually are, but there's stipulations around that, that have yeah. to be met first. So it's very complex. It can be done. I have salons there that I've created the revenue modeling that we kind of chatted about before we went live with this, but yeah, it can't, but it's, it's hairy. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah. And I think that because you were focused on creating that type of experience and environment and being transparent of this is, this is the offer that's on the table and it's for you and it's for you. And sometimes we can get so like focused in on like, what is your pay structure that that actually shouldn't be on the forefront of everything as opposed to like, can you grow as a stylist? Because just because you're a W2 or a 1099, a stylist or an owner, that doesn't mean that you're profitable. No, I see so many independents that really on paper would make significantly less if they were paying for the things that they should be paying for. 
Because what's happening is they think that they're making a certain amount, but once you actually put all the cost to operate their business for an entire year into an operating budget, I mean, it's the same way with commission salon owners. There's this perception that commission salon owners can have this $2 million business and, you know, in revenue and the salon owner is still working behind the chair because there's not enough profit to totally replace what would be their income behind the chair and a profit from the salon and all of their like administrative time. So, I mean, my structure in my salon, the way I have it as a hybrid is there are actually two compensation structures for employees. There's one for the building employee and everything is centered around their goals to get to a point where if they wanted to go independent, they could. And the reason why I do this is because they already want that. And the only thing that's keeping people from talking about that while they're building is because they need to build and then duck out if they decide. And I, I don't want to set up an environment that 50% of the people that I'm doing all of this intensive training with want to duck out to go independent. Like, the reality is the more that you expose people to the life of an independent, the more reality check they have before they, it ever crosses their mind. When you talk about, okay, we have this much budget that you need to stay within for product, and this is why our product allotments are this way. This is your productivity goal because for you to reach this income goal, you have to generate this amount of revenue in this amount of time to hit this tier in the compensation structure. If you want to be able to bonus, you have to hit all of these different things, but it's all not based around the goals of the salon, but the goals of the stylist. And the goals of the stylist are all dependent on who they are when they come to you and what they bring to the table. And so I think approaching it more of looking at them as an individual, as a person that could eventually want to go out on their own because the likelihood is that they do, because that is what's happening. That we're making them better business owners while they're in their business, in our business, number one. So we're reaping the benefits of them do being a better business owner of their business and not wasting our time and energy, at least while they're there. And then offering them a space for them to feel valued as an individual and may realize I feel valued as an individual. I'm reaching my income goals. I have all of these things supported for me. Why would I want to do that? And if they really still do, then their goals are beyond what you could ever offer them in a salon, like mm -hmm. becoming an educator or creating their own line or eventually opening their own salon and all of those things. So do you feel that, or do you teach, I should say, because it's really, it's not a feeling, it's a fact where that threshold is when it comes to having an employee, you know, of we can't offer more or how do you make it a no brainer for them to want to stay on board with you as an employee versus I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need you anymore. Yes. So first of all, you always have to have the option for the stylist once they've reached a certain set of goals to have more flexibility in their business. When we create, okay, so this is how I have it structured with my salons that are all all commission. So this is talking about it just in building that kind of uh, setting that up within the commission side, because I do this in my business too, but the people that I'm working with that we have this specifically structured or commissioned. So you, once they get to a certain point, they have flexibility over their pricing. 
If they are at a certain, okay, so a lot of salons have tiers. And once you've hit the top tier in the salon, you're waiting for the entire salon to move up in pricing for your pricing at that top tier to go forward, regardless of anyone else, regardless of your performance is way better than anybody else at that tier. So if you are in a commission tier as a level whatever stylist, you are essentially suffocated by whoever else is with you in that. Hmm. That doesn't even happen for anyone in the lower tiers. So all these people who have been with you for all of this time that have really earned the, the ability to do that are the ones that are being held back from it. They're, they're being held back from any additional growth. So we have this built-in spreadsheet where you can have custom pricing for anyone that has reached beyond that tier. And so your next tier, let's just call, call it an elite stylist or, you know, something executive stylist or something along those lines. Anyone that's in the executive stylist position may have different pricing. So if they've gone into that tier, one may have lower, just depending on what they're doing with their business, what their demand is, what their goals are. Maybe one stylist in, in the executive tier wants to do education, but wants to stay at your shop and you're fine with that. It aligns with you. They can work three days a week behind the chair and you can have another part-time new stylist work on those other days. And you're, you're not going to be losing any money in the transaction, but you're going to be supporting someone that is still an integral part of your business that you don't want to leave. So we're able to allow them this flexibility to have custom pricing, to have a custom schedule because they've earned it. Now, if they haven't earned it, obviously that's a whole different conversation. And what does earning it mean in your salon could be very different from what it looks like in my salon. We could have productivity goals, retail per client. You know, all of these, we can have so many different, you know, ideas of what that looks like in our salon. If we're an extension salon, we can say, okay, for them to be qualified for that, at least 50% of their clients have to be extension clients. You know, there's all of these different things that you can say are my, my, this is, this has to happen, then this. So that's, that's that part of it. So flex, flexible schedule and that. And then the other thing is, Training new stylists costs money. Losing very experienced stylists costs money. So if it's going to cost you money either way, why not compensate them at a higher tier as well? So within my structure, whether you're commissioned or whether you're hybrid, there are two compensation structures. And once that if then has been met, depending on what it looks like financially in your given business, you can have higher compensation. So you can either have it as a higher built-in compensation or you could have it as a higher bonus. So if it's built-in, that means that, you know, it's something that's static, that they're getting this regardless, or it can be bonus where if they're fluctuating still back and forth, it's a, you know, it's a fluctuating thing where they may bonus. But in certain salons, getting 40% from the stylist is still, better than losing them and still higher than what you would make as a booth renter or getting a booth rental, especially because think about this. If they're working 30 hours and you have a salon that's open 50 hours a week, you still have 20 more hours on that station to generate revenue. So it's just you being willing to be flexible 
and not just say everyone has to be this way because this is the way that I structured my business. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because we can look at these different variables in a revenue modeling. There's multiple ways of doing it, either in a broad sense where everybody's kind of pulled into the same expectations and on an individual one where we can see, okay, what if we had six commission stylists that were at this tier and three commission stylists that were at this tier, what would that, and compare it. Look at what their revenue would have to be to get to that tier. Look at what the other people's revenue would be as an estimation. And then let's see what that profit looks like. And oftentimes the profit is the same. You're not actually seeing wow. a difference between it. Yeah. Wow. Do you have any strong views on percentage of commission that's given out? when it comes to teaching salon, like you, like you have these badass spreadsheets that are about how can you make this be profitable in any business model? That being said, we're allocating so much money out the door, whether you're an independent or a salon owner, booth renter, there's always, you, you have a high expense on a lot of things. Do you have a strong viewpoint on you have to cap out commission because X, Y, Z? So there are a couple of variables that will determine where your commission is capped out. And it's going to be different for everyone. So I actually don't have a specific answer because it's really dependent on a huge, two huge factors, three huge factors. What state you're in and your payroll taxes, because I did an audit for someone or a couple people in Florida and their payroll taxes were nowhere near the payroll taxes in New York or California. And that's huge. If you have 3% higher payroll taxes, you're paying that 3% on your payroll, but you're also paying that 3% on your tips, on any of the tips paid out, right? Mm -hmm. So your situation is going to be very different because you've got 3% less to work with. But New York and California also have higher pricing for their services. So one thing that I try to steer away from when I'm talking to a new stylist that wants to come over a commission is your, what's your commission structure? I'll tell them, but I always bring this caveat with it. But this is what you will make when you are booked at 50%. 60%, 70%. This is your average per hour that you're actually being paid on an hourly rate at these different tiers based on our pricing. Because the only reason that a percentage is a make or break when it comes to anything is what does that mean for me? Because you could have 10% on $10 million or you could have 20% on $200,000. So the percentage really is more, it makes more sense when you're talking about what kind of money that actually means, right? What that money means. So there are some salon owners that have extremely high overheads because they are a luxury salon. Every single one of their chairs costs $1,500 plus. They're not buying $500 buy right beauty or Minerva chairs and no negative on that. I have Minerva chairs in here, but that that's not my business, right? But I work with people that that's their business. When you have spent that much to invest in it, you are getting floors polished regularly. You probably have three front desk people. You have a, a financial analyst. You have a bookkeeper. You're paying for a lot more than other salon owners. So your operating budget is 
huge. And that can also, so you can have a range of, let's say your operating budget is 2.5% of your revenue or your operating budget is 20% of your revenue. You've got a 17.5% variance between those two that has to, it's either coming out of your profit, it's coming out of your back bar, your color, or it's coming out of compensation. So everything is a dance with each other and you really don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt what your window can be until you put it into a financial revenue modeling tool. Yeah. That was, that was deep. <laughs> and I, and I think that is a, a great point because if I said, I'm going to give you a hundred percent commission and you bring in nothing, guess what? You made nothing. So it's definitely, you know, I like to spend the conversation more so on, well, how much do you want to make? Let's, let's start yes. with your goal and what you want to make, whether you it's your salon owner, what's my profit margin that my goal is and, and be able to have that just like in hair color and hair cutting, start with the end of mind and work backwards from there. You are so brilliant when it comes to talking about the financial analysis of businesses and breaking down into simplest form money. Can you share, can you share and dumb this down for us? Because it is, it's, it's something we need to know. It is hard to digest. It's hard to look at these spreadsheets. And I know myself, I'm, I, you know, I haven't been diagnosed ADD or anything, but I look at that and I'm like, I'm cross-eyed. What am I looking at? And it's so important. Can you share a little bit about some of the things that you're seeing on spreadsheets when you coach with salons as far as here's what you're missing and what kind of stories can you share with them to get them back on the right track? So the amazing thing about having these tools that I've built out is that they are plug and play. So I'm going to ask you questions and you're going to give me responses that you know already easily. And we're going to put that into it. So there's nothing that I ask a salon owner to put into, I have these intake forms. There's nothing that they put into those forms that they don't have ready available that it's easy to access. So that's the first thing is the way that I created the auditing it is so easy because, I mean, it's a one-on-one -on -one coaching, so you can't do it on your own, but I do all the hard work and I show them in real world terms, this is what's happening. This stylist is either really slow or they're doing a lot of add-ons without charging for it. They're very, very simple terms that are not like well, you know, we're not talking in financial terms. I mean, we get to that, but we're talking in performance of things that are things that salon owners already kind of know. They just don't know how to put their finger on it. They mm -hmm. don't know how to sort it out. So what I do is I get the information and I put it into reports that make sense. We look at the report. And we go through all the different reasons why these different things can be happening. And then we talk about what are we, what are we willing to do? And I give you the options of what you're, what, what you can do. And then you choose what you're willing to do because some people aren't willing to do what another salon owner is willing to do or wanting to do. And that's fine. That's the great thing about doing modeling is 
there's almost always a solution for you and your given situation. I think I told you just a little bit before we got on that the only time really that there's not a solution is if you have let it gone too far and you are now personally in a position where you can't survive even in your personal finances. And so that's the only time where unless you get an investor or you take out a line of credit or a loan, but other than that, everything else has a solution and the solutions are all found within the modern menu and the hybrid pricing, under really understanding your budgets, allocating products properly. And these are all things that are not actually that hard. I mean, nobody wants to do them by themselves because it's honestly boring and it's the least fun in the business. But doing them with a coach who's done it a bunch of times before is liberating because it feels like a partnership. It feels like a friendship. It feels like you're collaborating together. And so you don't feel lost at all. And that's the best thing about what I do is that I give people answers for questions that they have and answers for questions that they didn't even know they had. That makes sense. And to operate your business with that data and that information is so empowering because, you know, and, and some of when I was coaching and working with some people in the past, you know, and I would look at their P and L and like, where's all this money going? You know, where are all the leaks in my business? And it's so easy to spend the money, you know, but to really, to really take charge of your finances, whether you're an independent, whether you're a salon owner, whether you're a stylist working behind the chair. I mean, now there's a lot of conversation about retirement planning um, as you know, I don't know if it's a, um, a, at a federal level or just the state level, but, you know, we're required now to um, create these retirement plans for people. And that's something that we need to talk about and think about. And, you know, I guess our generation, I don't know how old you are, but um, my generation is like, we don't save, we spend, you know, what, what kind of coaching, do you have any like money mindsets around not only like, hey, we've looked at this reality of your data and now we see where the leaks are, but it's what you do with this information that we can either turn things around for you or, you know, it's might be time to close your shop. What so you, as long as a salon owner is willing to make incremental changes and have some of the hard conversations. So I would say the hardest conversation is most of the time people are doing more work than what they're charging for. And the issue is that you have to have a minimum hourly profit in your business to reach your profit goals. And you have to have a minimum hourly margin to be able to even just pay for your overhead, right? Because if you, I'll, just to make it easy, if you have let's say uh, per station, a uh, $20 an hour goal that you have to bring in to cover your operating costs. That doesn't mean that you're generating a profit, okay? And you pay your stylist 50% and they generate 
$80 in revenue during that hour, you have $40 now to left to work with after you've paid them their commission at 50%. Okay. So we've got $20 we need to have left over after the other, the other things. So operating budget is everything except for color and payroll costs. And then the variance with the tips and uh, credit card fees and the credit card fees. Okay. So now we're going to take off, let's say 8% for payroll costs. Okay. So now we're down to, we have 32 dollars left because eight dollars right eight percent hold on let's do this not eight percent i'm like i need a calculator this is why i have my spreadsheets because when i'm tired okay so eight percent of the 40 so we have three dollars and 20 cents coming off for the eight percent so we were at 40 so we've got the three dollars and 20 cents coming off so now we're at 36.80 so will you write this down and keep track for me Yes. So we're at 36.80. Now we had an $80 charge and we have 3% coming off for that for the credit card fees, which is the $2.40. So what were we at before? 36.80. 36.80 minus $2.40. So now we're at 34.40. Now let's say that we had 10% product consumption on that $80. We'd have to take another $8 off for the product consumption. And then let's say that we had a 2% variance on for the tips because I call it a variance because it's not really something you can plan for. It's an estimation that you would have to pay 3% credit card fees on tips as well as the 8%. And it works out to about between 2 and 3% of your gross revenue. So it'd be another, let's say, 2% on the $80. So it's another $1.60. So now you are left, if there's nothing else that is a, a variable cost, you are left with $24.80 to pay for your $20 operating cost for that hour. So you technically have a, a gross profit of about $4.80 on that $80 service. But if we make that in $70, we may have lost all of our, if it was $70 for that hour, we may have lost any of the profit and we may actually be in the negative. It may actually be costing us now to pay everything for everything. So what we have to do is we have to look at our base minimum goals to reach our minimum profit, what that looks like from an hourly productivity standpoint as an average in the salon, because you're going to have experienced stylists with higher pricing and lower times to apply. So they're going to have higher productivity. Then you're going to have stylists with lower productivity and you've got to have somewhere in the middle. But then we also don't just want to meet that. We want to be able to grow from that. So we have to have what I call the hybrid pricing which is pricing these service strategically based on the product allotments, the complexity. We can have a solid root retouch where we can double book with another solid root retouch. So then we're double dipping in the hourly productivity versus a modern service that we can't. So our modern service productivity is gonna to have to be significantly higher if we're doing double booking in our salon. I'm going, I know I'm kind of going down the rabbit hole, but we'll, I'll wrap it up. So we do this within <laughs> our menu 
We figure out the plan for our services, why we're pricing our modern services one way, why we're pricing our traditional services another way, what that looks like, what our product allotments are, what our productivity goals are for each level. And then it's, I mean, it's a lot, but then all of a sudden the system is literally your menu and your pricing and your product allotments, understanding your operating budget, and then checking these numbers periodically to make sure that you're within budget and you're done. Then guess what? You can get back to actually running and growing your salon. Everyone understands you can't do a full haircut with a bang trip. Every for a you know for the price of a bang trip. Everybody understands you can't do a full hair color for the price of a root retouch. But these kinds of things are happening with modern services and even with some traditional services to a degree. And if we don't have solid structure within the menu to protect us from that, it impacts all of these things. And then when we have a solid structure with our menu and our pricing, then we can also turn on online booking. Then we can turn on, put up our marketing dollars, and then we're able to build our salon easily through these automated systems. And that's really what we did in California. I mean, these were booth renters, but like we had so much new business because our menu was clear, our pricing was transparent, and our booking was easy. Mic drop. When you just simplify this too, like it sounded so complex at first, but as you kept going and going, and it was like, the reality is, is that if the pricing structure is not working according to your cost, your overall cost, and yes, there's fixed and there's the variable, but you can calculate an estimate of what is happening um, on an annual basis. And when you work backwards from there, then you can really structure out a plan. And I love too, that you were speaking of making this more of an individualized plan, because you spoke to me earlier about, we've got a modern stylist and a traditional stylist and we're, you, you can't box them in together and we can't price them the same because what's happening is we're losing money. And that's, one of the leaks in a lot of salons is that we're still trying to say it's a commission salon, we're going to cookie cutter it. And that's not, that system doesn't work anymore. You know, can, can you just share to shed some light on this new way of, you've got this modern pricing or modern menu and hybrid pricing. This is like your forte. This is what you help people with to become profitable in their business so that they can understand it. With all of the changes that are happening as, as stylists and the trends and what's happening possibly in the first quarter, maybe, maybe not. Can you, can you just share with us like some insight of how you're coaching your students to overcome that? So with a diverse business, it can withstand any economic environment. And the hard part is that when we're talking about the beauty industry, hype and relevancy sells. But a lot of it is very surface value because you can have a beautiful salon with a beautiful Instagram and it can be generating zero profit. So 
the biggest thing that we need to do is we need to be willing to look at the reality that a lot of what we see is just face value and the that most people and most clients are actually not on Instagram. I mean, it's a huge platform, but still most people are not on Instagram. It's a great way to build. There are new clients that are searching that way, but they're not on all the time. Like all of us who are building businesses are. If I wasn't building a business, I would not be on Instagram as much as I am. I literally wouldn't. I'm rarely on Facebook now because my business isn't on there. I am too old to really dabble too much in TikTok. It's entertaining for me, but it's not really a venture of business that I'm, I mean, I've got it in my mindset to get there at some point, but it's just not there for me right now. So I understand my business. I understand my audience. I understand what I need to thrive even as a coach. And sometimes because of hype, if I were to just listen to the people that were telling me I needed to be on TikTok because TikTok is where it's at and there's this and there's that and all of these things, I may start moving my business in that direction and it's actually not what's in alignment for me. Mm. So having the right alignment and being willing to be diverse in my business allows me to withstand economic shifts and economic changes, which is what we need to see in salons. because. Your gray root retouch clients are coming in six to eight weeks. That's what they're doing. And they're not, if they have any amount of money, they're not going to be people that just say to heck with it because those services are generally not priced at the same rate as the modern services. And so it's something that people can negotiate with themselves within their budget better. Mm. But we may see a decline in people being willing, you know, right now there's a lot of hype. People are posting when they're charging $1,800 and $2,000 for these things. But the reality is a lot of these people are also starting to take payments for extensions. And when people have to make payments on extensions, they really cannot afford extensions. So there are the people that when they need to get their hair, when they need to buy new hair, they may not become an extension client anymore. They may say, you know what, I'm going to take a break. And that extension revenue, maybe they're still coming for color, but that extension revenue is now gone, which is a lot. That install revenue is great productivity numbers. So what do we do with that? If all we've done is market to extension and modern services, and we're not going to see this client for six months because we've given them this beautiful rooted blonde. And the only reason they were coming in for regular tonings was because we were toning their extensions when they were doing extension move-ups. So Having a modern menu where if you don't want to do a lot of traditional services, maybe your traditional menu is small, but you're at least marketing in them. They're priced well. You still know how to make money doing them and you allow yourself to still market those services so that if you lose some of these modern services, you have a way to fill your books and it's just a transition. It's not a complete decimating of your business. Mm. I always teach to be well-rounded because it's important to really master something and say you're a specialist, but you have to at least know how to do the other thing. The other stuff. Be, yeah. Yeah. And be prepared for that. You like, we do a lot of extensions in my business and bridal, but we don't have in Chicago at least, and nobody wants to get married January, February, and March. So what do we supplement in that area that we know that we're not going to have a lot of uh, wedding. So really being thinking about 
what is the next steps and not boxing yourself in too much. Michelle, this has been such an amazing conversation. I mean, you are just a wealth of knowledge and everyone listening to this probably already knows who you are, but definitely if you don't make sure to follow Michelle on Instagram, she is dropping wealth of information constantly on Instagram, which is where I was stalking her and found her to bring her on the show. Um, Michelle, before we wrap up, with everything that we've talked about, um, would you like to share anything more about the modern menu and hybrid pricing? Um, and also what are some like final thoughts um, with this conversation that we've had today that could help our listeners um, get back on track for their for their businesses? So how to work with me if you do really want to navigate into the modern menu with a hybrid pricing as well as this full audit in your business. I have a course for independence. I know we did a lot of talking about salon ownership. Um, but like I said, when I was, you know, talking about starting with the goals of the stylist, everything is centered around the goals of the stylist. So it's only looking at our operating budget differently when we're as an independent versus as a salon and the variable costs with a salon are different. But I've created this audit course where you self-audit your business. It's very simple plug and play. I have instructions that you can go back and watch and you're literally just entering pretty basic information into it. And it will give you these comprehensive reports that are, I mean, it's in Excel or Google Sheets if you open it in Google Sheets, but I've made all the cells big and color coded them. So it's not intimidating the same way that you would think. It looks more like a report. And then, I mean, it's all the things that I've done with my one-on-one -on -one clients that have been impactful in their business and they have understood and implemented in their business. And I do have some testimonials on my page if you guys haven't seen them. So I also do the same modern menu and hybrid pricing blueprint and business audit with salon owners, but I do that in a one-on-one -on -one because like I was saying, there are so many variables that are different. I can't tell a salon owner without seeing everything, what their limit to compensation is. I really, it's more of something that's a partnership that we have to do together. Where with an independent, it's like, okay, if these, if this will meet your personal budget goals, pay for taxes, retirement, all of those things were good. With a salon owner, we really need to know a lot more about their business to plan those things out because they may, it, every business is different like we were talking about. So those are both ways. My independent one is called a modern menu and hybrid pricing course. My salon owner package is my profit project and it's a salon owner packages. I have a booth rental and then I have a hybrid and commission salon one. And then I also have new salon planning. So for an uh, owner who is not actually doesn't really know any of these numbers and they're going into new salon ownership and they may even have questions about, you know, building permits and layout and dedicated space for different things in their business. I've opened four salons and a beer and wine lounge. So I've got a lot of experience when it comes to that. So I did that new salon owner package where we do the financial stuff, but we do other stuff for setting up a business. And then I think the most important thing really to, I guess, take away is yes, things are changing. Don't be in a panic that you absolutely have to make all of these changes right away. Every good thing is built over time. You only got to where you're at over time and steady growth is better than making changes 
really quickly and burning yourself out and not following through with them. And this is for independents and salon owners. Don't panic. The bottom is not going to drop out. I know COVID threw all of our nervous systems through a loop and anyone who had pre-existing trauma is probably still recovering from it. Anybody with not very much pre-existing trauma is still, you know, uh, recovering from it. But take some time to be intuitive in your business and stop putting yourself back on the hamster wheel because you're wearing yourself out and you probably have a lot of good ideas for your business that you're not allowing to come to fruition because you're just so overwhelmed with what you should or shouldn't do. Take 15 minutes a day and journal some ideas that you have and just do a brain dump and go back when you have more time set aside later to kind of thresh them out. I am a highly proficient multi- tasker. And I have to do these things within me. And I have all of these systems set in place. And I still have to do these things on a constant basis. It's the only thing that has allowed me to be as productive as I am. So that's pretty much it. I love this. This is so good. And thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing your wealth of knowledge and your story. And I know that I'm inspired and I really hope that our listeners took a lot of notes because I know that I have four pages of notes right now. (laughs) So I'll make sure to put in the show notes, um, information about Michelle, information about the modern menu and the hybrid pricing. So uh, make sure to look into that. Seriously, if you guys are looking to transform your salon business and really understand your finances, then make sure to connect with Michelle. So Michelle, thank you so much. It's been such a a great time and I can't wait to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you are loving these episodes, I would appreciate a review on your experience of how this podcast is helping you grow your business so that others just like yourself can learn, grow and be a part of the podcast. I'd love to get connected with my listeners, so make sure to join me in the free Facebook group where you'll find a community of like-minded beauty professionals that want to grow their business and careers. I'll share with you my top tips, Q&As, and when new podcasts are released. Thank you again for your love and support. It's an honor to be a part of your business building journey.